Let's pray together as we stand. Almighty Father, we, um, when we pray and recite creeds like that, we say very quickly uh, that we believe big things, uh, things that are so big that they hardly, it's difficult to imagine how they can fit in little statements and in little words. And remarkably, they do. And However, it takes a long time to fully unpack them. It takes a long time of discovering to fully unpack your truth. But we want to know your truth. Maybe better, we want to be known by you in truth. And so will you, by your Holy Spirit, do in us what we cannot do for ourselves? Will you make our hearts open and receptive? Will you make our minds sharp and clear? Will you grant our hearts and minds together to be discerning? Will you grant us to recognize the truth of Jesus Christ and entrust ourselves to him entirely, unreservedly, and do whatever in us is necessary to get that done? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, and it would be helpful if you would turn back to uh, page 8. Uh, page 8 and 9, we are continuing uh, our series in the book of Proverbs. And uh, each and every week, we, we're basically trying to figure out what is this thing called wisdom. Proverbs is always talking about wisdom. We're trying to figure out what it means. And we're each week kind of looking at the idea of wisdom from different angles. And uh, here's, here's simply what I want to show you today. Uh, wisdom, here it is, wisdom is light. It's light from the past. It is light for the future. And it is a light that demands that we seek it with everything we have. Now, here's where I get this from. Uh, look, glance over to verse 18. That's on page 9. Uh, Proverbs writes this, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked, on the other hand, is like deep darkness, and they don't know over what they stumble. Wisdom is light. Uh, when I was a kid, I got to um, climb into a volcano, which was very cool. I was like 12 and it was really cool. I mean, have you ever? I mean, you know. Now, it was dormant. It was dormant, which means it's not as cool as it otherwise might have been. But um, it was right in the middle of the, of the California desert. There's this big black cone-shaped uh, mountain. And um, uh, me and a, a group of other people with, like, a guide um, went into one of the old dormant uh, lava tubes. And this lava tube created this tunnel, this cave, that went on for, well, I don't know, miles. We never got to the end of it. And, um, and I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I thought it was Frodo Baggins going into Mordor or something like that. Um, actually, I didn't. It was the 80s. I thought it was Goonies um, or something like that. Um, and uh, anyways, after we got some distance into it, quite a ways, we turned off our flashlights. Um, and, and you know what happened? Um, we were plunged into darkness. Uh, however, it was different from any other dark, kind of darkness I had ever experienced because it was actual darkness. Uh, I had only ever been in a little, in context of just slightly less light. 
Um, but this was real dark. There was no light, none. And in that situation, I never experienced that before. I don't think I've experienced that since, really. Um, you, I mean, you, you can put your hand in front of your face like this for a long, long, long time, and you're never going to see it because there's absolutely no light reflecting off of anything at all. And as I was sitting there in just that impenetrable night, something happened. And what happened was desire happened. I wanted light. Because instinctively, I knew that there I was in the middle of the pitch blackness. I was vulnerable. I was utterly vulnerable. And I knew uh, that the only way I was going to get out of there is if somebody turned on a light. And I wanted that light very, very urgently. And it, and it pointed out at least two things to me. Here, the first thing is that it showed me that light is a profound gift. And when I say it's a gift, I mean it's a gift that comes up from outside us. And there's nothing in me that can produce light, right? I've got to have an instrument of light. I've got to have, you know, the sun shining. I've got to have something outside me that produces light. Light is a gift. It's a gift that I receive. My eyes are designed to receive light. And the second thing I realized is just how dependent I am on that gift of light. Need it. Now, uh, what I want to show you today is that's, that's how wisdom works. Wisdom is a gift from outside us. We don't produce it. It doesn't start with us. It starts outside us. It's a gift that comes to us and keeps us safe. Uh, and we need to seek it urgently. So, three points. Wisdom is light from the past. Wisdom is light for the future. Wisdom is light that we need to urgently seek. Let me show you. First of all, wisdom is light from the past. Take a look at uh, the beginning of chapter 4. Uh, turn over to page uh, 8. Um, there's this wonderful picture of a grandfather and a father trying to cultivate a desire for wisdom uh, in a grandson. Look at verse 3. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me. And he said to me, Keep your heart, uh, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Now, um, peg, picture that scene for just a minute. The, the speaker in this part of the book of Proverbs is Solomon. And Solomon is in this setting. He is talking to a group of his sons, and he's telling them a story. And the story he's telling them about is about his father, King David. And apparently, uh, there was a day when, uh, maybe it happened a bunch of times, but apparently there was a day when David... Uh, this old and venerable king, the greatest king in the history of Israel, uh, he sat down with his son Solomon, and, uh, and, and they had a talk. And in one way, it's a talk that you might expect any father to give uh, his son. But in another way, it's, it's just an utterly unique conversation. Because here's this, here's this King David, okay? Wildly successful king. Richer than anyone who's come before him, richer than anyone else that anybody knows in that context. Uh, he's more powerful than absolutely anybody else. 
He's the progenitor of a great dynasty. He sits down with Solomon, his son, at the top of his game, and he says this. It's as if he says, Solomon, look at what I've done. Do you see all this? You see all this wealth around you? It's not normal. It happened. See all this power, all this success? The, the, the culmination of my life, here it is, right here. But you know what, Solomon? Despite the remarkable success of your daddy, don't be distracted by it. Don't be distracted by it. There is something, Solomon, that is way more important than any of this stuff that you see around you right now that I've accumulated over the course of my career. In fact, Solomon, says David, this one thing is so valuable that if you, when the day comes that you inherit all of this kingdom, you should, if necessary, sell everything that I give you in inheritance in order to gain this one thing. And what is that one thing? Well, it's wisdom. Verse 7. David, speaking to Solomon, who's in turn telling this story to his son, says, verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get it. And whatever you get, get wisdom. Now, um, this wisdom is the wisdom we've been talking about the last several weeks. You remember that David is not here talking about cleverness merely. Nor is he simply talking about political savvy or street smarts. He's talking, when he says wisdom, there's something very particular he has in mind. He's talking about insight to live well because you know God well. Or you can think of it this way. Wisdom is a relationship with God that floods your life with new insight by which you see everything differently than you previously did. That was the key, says David. That's the key to the whole of David's life. And it's the one thing that David looks at his son Solomon and says, this is what you need, whatever else you might need. Now, let's hit the pause button. Um, wisdom is light from the past because it rolls down from generation to generation. Grandfather, father, sons. Um, and that's the way it's supposed to work, by the way. Uh, uh, and it's part of why wisdom is such a wonderfully precious gift to us. Um, this is a bit silly, but just bear with me for a second. Um, I'm told that if you want to get really, really good at something, you've got to do it, like, lots of times. Practice, right? Um, uh, my son Peter has just picked up the violin, uh, and his teacher told me that I had to do it, too. So I have picked up the violin, and it sounds awful. But I understand that if I uh, play uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star a thousand times, it'll sound better at the end of the thousand times, times than it does now, right? Now, that's supposed to be encouraging, because it's supposed to tell somebody like me that there's hope. However, there are times when I find it very discouraging, particularly when I consider my life, my whole life. Here's what I mean. We are all of us rookies at living, aren't we? Have you lived more than one time? Actually, don't answer that, but the, the, at least not out loud. This is my first time 
living as far as I'm, anyways. And one of the things that means, I know I'm silly, but one of the things that that means is that I've never done this before. I've never been this old before. I've never lived an entire life before. I, own, I don't get to practice. I only have one shot at it. If it takes a thousand times to get good at something, you know, it's like, what, 0.001% the way there. It's not encouraging. Now, I'm being silly, but, but, this, but it points out why we need light from the past. Wisdom is designed to roll down through the generations, gathering insight and perspective as it goes. Or, to change the image just a little bit, um, wisdom gets brighter as it shines through the generations. Now, another word for this is tradition. Um, Christian tradition is when wisdom is passed on from one generation to another generation so that we can live our lives now in the light of a thousand generations. Uh, some of you will have heard this, but G.K. Chesterton famously said this, tradition means giving votes to that most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It is the democracy of the dead. Tradition refuses to submit to that small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about at the present moment. We will have the dead at our councils. This is why wisdom is light, and it is light from the past. Now, I want to be clear here. It, this does not mean that previous generations uh, invented wisdom and that they were better at it than we are now. Uh, rather, in Proverbs, remember that wisdom is revealed from God. It's not, it doesn't start with us, it starts with God. But the wisdom of God has proved reliable in generation after generation. And the, clear, the more you can see that, the more confidence you will have to rest on it now. And that's also why without wisdom, without a relationship with God that enlightens every other part of your life, you will inevitably walk in darkness. Now, I was being silly when I was saying we need to live a thousand times in order to get good at it. But Proverbs is very, very serious about the danger and the peril that we are in without wisdom. Let me show you. Look at verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Don't go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Now, pause. I want to ask why, Proverbs. What is so dangerous about the path of the wicked? Justify your claim. Well, glance to verse 19, says Proverbs to me. The way of the wicked is deep darkness. They don't know over what they stumble. Okay, says me to Proverbs. Um, okay, wickedness is darkness, we're stumbling about, we do, it's okay. But, says Jim to Proverbs, help me understand what that looks like in practice. Well, says Proverbs, go to verse 16. For when they're on that path, they cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. This is the image of an addict can't sleep unless I 
4, verse 17, they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. Here's the bottom line, says Proverbs. Darkness is deceiving and wickedness is addictive. Or put differently, sin makes you stupid and it makes you want more stupid. Okay? Um, St. Augustine talks about this in his uh, book, The Confessions, um, and he talks about how uh, darkness um, incrementally increased its hold on him over time. Let me read. I was held back from Christ, not in fetters clamped upon me by another, but rather by my own will, which had the strength of iron chains. The enemy held my will in his power, and from it he made a chain, and he shackled me. For my will was perverse, and lust had grown from it. Watch the progression. And when I gave in to lust, habit was born. And when I did not resist the habit, it became a need and a necessity. And this was my chain, and it held me fast in the duress of slavery. See, what happened is uh, Augustine um, started on the, on the path of folly, uh, not wisdom, whatever you want to call it, and the darkness got darker over time until eventually he had no light and he was trapped. And that's frightening. I think of myself as a 12-year-old in that cave. If I had had no light, I never would have gotten out of that cave. I'd still be there now. I wouldn't look as good as I do now, though. Um, the point is, uh, darkness is deceiving and wickedness is addictive. And that's why it's so dangerous. So, that's why we need light. Light, uh, wisdom is light. It is light from the past. And it, it kind of keeps us safe as we walk through our present life. But it is also light for the future. Take a look at verse 18 again. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which, watch, see, see the progress here. It shines brighter and brighter throughout the day. Now, it, just go with that image for a minute. I want you to imagine the sun rising in the morning. Um, in the early morning, just before the sun rises, um, you should set your alarm, get up sometime that early, um, it, it's, off, it's cold and dark. It's often the coldest and the darkest part of the day, right? Now, just do a thought experiment with me for a moment. I want you to imagine that you have never experienced daylight. I know it's crazy, but just imagine you've never experienced daylight. Your experience of the darkness and the coldness that has only ever been your experience, that experience right before the coming up of the sun is not a accurate predictor of what the day is going to end up being like once the sun comes up. If, you, if you've never seen light, if you've never seen the sun rise, then just moments before it comes over the horizon, you will feel darkness and you will feel cold. And you will only ever be able to imagine that kind of an experience. You won't be able to imagine anything other than that. However, if you just wait a few minutes, 
everything will begin to change because the sun will come over the horizon and all of a sudden you'll see colors that you've never seen before and you'll feel warmth that you've never felt before and everything will begin to change around you in ways that you could never have imagined. Wisdom is a little bit like that. Because when you start off seeking wisdom, it very often feels cold and dark. You can't exactly see that this is a good path that leads anywhere helpful. But if you... If you stay the course, you'll find that the longer you practice wisdom, the more light you'll have around you. And the more light you have around you, the more you'll feel the warmth, so to speak, of that wisdom. The more you practice wisdom, the more it'll make sense to you. And that's why if you're just starting off seeking wisdom or being a Christian or following Jesus or whatever, then one of the most important things is you need uh, people around you. You need friendships with people who are a little bit further along who can describe the daylight to you because you've never seen it before. That's part of why church community is so, so important. However, there's, there's more. It's also part of the reason why Jesus is so important. This is part of the ministry of Jesus. Why? Because if I am trapped in the darkness, so to speak, if, if I'm like Augustine, deceived by the dark and addicted to wickedness, then I am going to need a pretty bright light to get my attention. John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me uh, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. One way to think of it is this, Jesus Christ is the perfect light of wisdom. Jesus Christ uh, received perfect wisdom from his father. A little bit like Solomon received wisdom from David, except far more. And Jesus has a perfect relationship with God as his father, and therefore Jesus walks in a wisdom that is greater than the insight of a thousand generations. And not only that, he is a wisdom that invaded the darkness. That was, that's what was happening when he was on the cross. Jesus Christ, perfect wisdom, came into our darkness to shine the light into the dungeons of our darkness and to bring us from the darkness that had addicted us into his own light. And therefore, gain a relationship with Jesus Christ and you will gain access to the light of wisdom. So, Wisdom is light. It is light from the past. It is light for the future. It is light that fundamentally comes to us through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But lastly, if it's all those things, then you got to seek wisdom with everything you got. Look at verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Keep your heart. What does that mean? Well, it means at least this. Focus yourself comprehensively on pursuing wisdom. And to give us a little bit more direction, I want to ask you two questions as we end. First of all, uh, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the light? And number two, what are you talking about? Are you describing the light? Here's what I mean. First of all, what are you looking at? Look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Now, eyes, you know this, eyes are designed to receive light. You, you know this, right? I mean, we see not because something goes out of our eyes. We see because light comes into our eyes. 
We have to receive light. And if you want to grow in wisdom, you have to receive light from Jesus Christ. A way to think about that is you've got to keep looking at Jesus. You've got to let Jesus flood your life with his light, the light of his truth. Um, this is actually pretty intuitive. Everybody knows that um, you will end up desiring whatever it is that you spend a lot of time looking at, right? Isn't that the whole point of advertisement, right? Look at something you can't afford, or rather look at something you don't need and you'll end up desiring what you can't afford, right? Um, everybody's experienced that. Well, same works for looking at Jesus. The more you focus your attention on Jesus intentionally, the more you'll desire him. And the more you desire him, the more light of wisdom you will derive. What are you looking at? How can you look at Jesus with greater intentionality? That's the first thing. The second thing, and the last question. What are you talking about? Are you describing the light? Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, put away perversity from your mouth. Another way to say that is stop talking stupid. Stop talking stupidly. Rather, and let's flip that inside out. Rather, use your words to pass on the light of wisdom. Remember, wisdom is passed down from generation to generation. Right now, friends, look at each other. Right now, we're all alive. It won't always be that way. This is our big shot. Don't waste it. It's going to be shorter than we all think. If you're a Christian and you're alive at the same time, this is your chance to use your mouth to pass on wisdom to the next generation. Take advantage of it. David passed on wisdom to Solomon. Solomon passed on wisdom to his sons through Proverbs. Passed on wisdom to all generations right down to our very own. Jesus passes on wisdom to us through his teaching. And crucially, Jesus asks every one of his followers to describe his light, describe his wisdom to one another and to the next generation. Use your words in such a way that you can shine the light of wisdom into other people's lives. How do you do that? Well, lots of ways. But don't waste your close relationships. One of the reasons that God gives us close friendships and close relationships is so that we can use those relationships to pass on wisdom to other people. So some of us, a few of us here, are parents. Clearly, you are to pass on wisdom to your children, and it is to be a highest priority. Most of us here are not parents. But nevertheless, clearly, you are called to pass on wisdom, the wisdom of Jesus Christ, in every way you can, using every relationship that you have, to the extent that it's appropriate to that relationship. Be intentional about it. And I realize that this will bring up pain for some of us because some of us have never in our lives had a friendship with somebody who could speak wisdom into our lives. Some of us have never had a parent who could speak wisdom into our lives. Some of us have never had a, a, a friend who was a little further along in the journey that could say, hey, let me show you the ropes a little bit. And, and for some of us, that'll bring up pain, the pain of loneliness, the pain of I've just been trying to figure it out on my own. And if that's you then understand that God has a particular gift for you. A particular gift. 
Part of it comes to you through the book of Proverbs itself. Here is God's letter to you, so to speak, saying, let me show you the path. But not only that, even more so Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ comes to bring you into the most close and intimate relationship conceivable. He comes to bring you and share his own relationship with God, his Father. And therefore, all the wisdom that comes from that. Therefore, the most important thing for every one of us is to come to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus Christ, shine the light of your wisdom. Give me a relationship with you and with your Father in the power of the Holy Spirit that I cannot generate myself in such a way that all my life is flooded with your light and I begin to see all things new. And then as you receive that gift, don't keep it for yourself. Open your mouth and describe the light. And we will take our place in the generations of passing on the light of wisdom from one generation to another. Amen? Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.